live and on lockdown. Are you ready? Ready, ready? Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across the globe. Listen here. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast. The host, Fraser Ramsey. Hey, this is Afia Letham, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleash, going beyond borders. Hi, this is Zakia Ringgold from NaturalSoapbySakia.com, proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast. Welcome to another edition of Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders. Uh, another guest, uh, my last guest was uh, Danielle Batiste, who's also been uh, interviewed on the Evolve show by Chanel Spencer and also um, on our connection of Chanel. I'm interviewing another connection of Chanel. She's like she's like my phone book at the moment, uh, which is quite handy. Um, and so um, she's like the directory of uh, for podcast guests, which is a bonus. So just a big shout out to Chanel Spencer of Evolve uh, show uh, brought to you by Maximum Evolution, which is also on Dublin Radio, which is on Monday nights, uh, UK time, but Easter, uh, afternoon in the Eastern time, 3.30pm. So uh, you can tune into her show um, every Monday if you're available, which I hope you are. So as I say, she her tagline is Chanel Spencer now, so tune into it now, basically. Well, even though it's not on yet, that's next week. But anyway, I'll stop waffling on. My guest is uh, Verne Taylor, and we're about to find out where she's from. We're about to find out um, her background. She is an author of... She's an author. She's uh, got her own business. She's been learning a lot, lots of stuff, but we'll get to that bit later on. There's a background. She's been doing other stuff as well. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the build-up to her life, uh, why she's got into where she, her sort of her journey into where she is now, obviously being an author. But we're going to talk about that later on. So welcome, Renee Taylor, to the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast. Uh, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. And it's it's Monday. It's uh, <laughs> starting. Yes. <the> week. <laughs> Happy Monday. <laughs> it, it is Monday where I'm recording this, but this show was on Friday, so it's uh, there's a slight uh, podcasting mistake already. <laughs> don't, say <laughs> date record, don't say the date you're recording your show. Uh, does it? But uh, anyway, never mind. <laughs> I never know what day it is anyway, so that's okay. <laughs> and, uh, there we go. That's, uh, <laughs> keep it generic. That was a good thing. But anyway, um, yeah, let's, let's crack on. Usually, I always like to. So let's just simple. Tell people where you're from. And uh, just a little bit, a brief, a little bit about yourself, and then we can go into the nitty gritty of it as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, again, my name is Vernade Taylor. I am from Summit, New Jersey. I still live in Jersey. I am a Jersey girl to the bone. I come from a very artistic and creative family. My dad was a poet. My mother is a singer. Um, She's one of nine who were all musically inclined. Um, Along with my brother, who's six years older than me, we started singing and performing together. Since I can remember, I was five years old, was my first talent show with my brother. And we performed all the way up until we separated, of course, um, where he had to, you know, go on with his life. And then I went on with mine, as you know, as being six years apart, um, you know, things kind of changed. I know he was acting for most of his time um, in high school and adolescence, and I was singing. I sang all the way through 
college at Rutgers University of New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, and then it wasn't until after college, after I graduated, that I broke into acting. And I started with musical theater, of course, on stage, um, doing my first national tour um, around the country to background singing to gospel productions. And then I recently broke into film probably within the last year or last two years back in 2018. And from that point, 2019 is actually my entry point into authorship and entrepreneurship. And that leads me to today and what I'm doing now with all of my writing and yeah. <laughs> well, let's we'll go into that. We don't want to spoil the vibe, you know what I mean? So let's say there's a lot to talk about. So let's say, uh, tell us, I mean, I, obviously, background. Uh, so you're in New Jersey, you brought born in New Jersey, you brought up in New Jersey, you're still there. Yes. So, what was it? Just tell us life as a child. Tell us a bit about your background. You, you're as a kid, typical, typical kid, what was life? Are you good, bad, and different? How was it? Yes. <laughs> That's such a good question. I love it. it. Good, bad, and indifferent. It was all of that. Um, so I will say that just my brother and I, we did come up um, raised by our grandmother. So my paternal family has been so integral and impactful to my life. I was brought up by my grandmother, who is still alive to this day. She is 90. She'll be 91 next month. Oh. So she is the matriarch of our family along with my aunt who had a hand in raising me. Um, so just really strong women in my life. I was a really good kid. I, um, I, was, always, I was always very creative, very outspoken, loved language arts, English. I loved to, you know, creative writing. My brother was a writer. He was an orator. You know, we grew up in the church um, for those that, you know, know about the church and gospel music and singing in choirs, that's exactly what we were doing. Um, also through college and high school, I was, I was cheerleading and singing. I was just a typical kid. Um, I was a good kid. I think the main thing was I, I used writing as an escape to the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I came up in a broken family. And so sometimes when you're dealing with your parents being divorced or you're now being raised by a grandparent where there's this generational gap, you sometimes feel like you're misunderstood or you feel like you're different from everybody else. Um, I grew up in a predominantly white um, neighborhood. There weren't a lot of kids that looked like me. But I'm so thankful for my family that kept me grounded for amazing programs that kept us busy and productive as kids. So that was a little bit of my upbringing. So I'm really, I'm grateful. <laughs> so are we, is, so you're basically a broken family, I guess your, your parents at the time where your mom, they divorced or they, what do you call it? I mean, obviously there's that the reason why your, your grandparents uh, looked after you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, they, they were divorced. I don't even have a recollection of when we were all together. I think my brother, he probably has more memories of when we were like a tight knit family, you know, with our dog tiger and mm -hmm. our mom and our dad. Um, I was still very young. I was still in diapers at the time when we, we ended up in my grandmother's house, um, who is my father's mother. And, you know, for various reasons, uh, we, we ended up here where it was just the best, the best alternative to us being in foster care or kind of separated or, 
you know, one person, one child with one family member and other child with another family member. So I'm just grateful that we, we ended up, we stayed together. We still, you know, I always saw my family. I always saw my, my, my parents. Um, I was still very much connected to the both of them. And up to my, my father's passing, um, I remember the weekend before he passed, we were all together. My brother, his kids, my grandmother, my mother. Um, and it was such a, an incredible memory. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that we were still very tight knit, even though, you know, there's a separation and, and things change when two people decide that they're going to dissolve a relationship. So what, what, did your what, dad, what did your dad pass off? Unfortunately, he passed of lung cancer. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's not so good. So tell us, going obviously you just told us a, a nice insight regarding living with your gran, your grand parents, and you've kind of gone, they've take, you've taken you down the nice road, the good road, which is obviously acting, singing, yeah. a good solid church ground base, basically. So what what was your education like going into school? Was it kind of uh, primary school? Well, Whatever it's different names over in America. We got primary and you go to secondary school. Yes. <laughs> what was school life like? I mean, were you quite well good at school? Were you academic, or we did you kind of like to go out and say um, skip class? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> never that. No, honestly, I loved school um, here in Summit. Um, I loved. I love our town. If anyone knows anyone's in Jersey, if you know anything about Summit, New Jersey, it's like quite. It's right outside of Shore Hills in Providence. It's a really nice, quaint town. You can essentially get anywhere you want to go on foot. So we did not have a bus system. You know, I remember being walked to school by my grandmother or by my brother. Um, we had. I went to public school. We had really, really great high-rated public schools. I loved, I loved learning, and I loved school. I had actually, I had perfect attendance all up until like the end of high school, and um, I, I, I could. I guess it was good that I never was really sick, but even if I was, my grandma was like, "No, you're going." So I had perfect attendance. I loved to do my homework. Um, as I mentioned, I was in, I was a cheerleader, so I was actually the captain of the cheerleaders. So anybody knows when you're part of a varsity cheerleading or any type of varsity club or sports, you know, you have to have good grades. Um, for me, I was a really great student. However, I wasn't really planning to go and pursue college, but everyone was like, oh, you need a backup plan. You got to do something else. Um, you need a plan B. But at the time, all I cared about was singing. I loved my chorus. I loved my chorus teacher. Shout out to Mr. Babbitt, um, who actually recently found us, my brother and I, on Facebook. But yeah, I, I just loved, I loved the church. I loved to sing. I loved to perform. So I just figured, oh, I don't need college. Um, but I listened to everybody in their recommendation to have a backup plan, so to speak. And I went to Rutgers University, which is the state university of New Jersey. So it was one of those things like, oh, well, this is a great school to go to. You know, you could probably just break into the school and then you'll, you're able to maybe like transition into the music department. We have a art school within Rutgers University, that huge hub of Rutgers University, which is Mason Grove School of the Arts. And so I took a few voice classes, but I didn't particularly care for the the vocal program at that particular um, school. But I came in through Douglas College, which is, which is the all-girl campus. And 
I came in through those studies and then I broke into the School of Communication. I had to apply to that. And once I declared my major, that was a whole separate facility and curriculum that I embarked upon. And I'm, I'm happy I did it. I'm happy that I have a degree. It was it, it made I made my family proud <laughs> and I can say that I did it and I finished. And of course, it, it taught me a lot of life experiences. And, you know, I, that's all I could be happy for. I'll take us a quick break for those who are listening, just to say thanks to all the people who support the Ramsey and Leash Coming Borders. We are on doublemintradio.com as well. We also on you can hear us on Podbean as the podcast. Uh we shout out to Eileen Smith from EileenSmith.com. Uh, John Drummond John, Ideas Go Live, uh does website design. Um also Brent Mann from Brent Mann Music, Benita Charles, who's a singer-songwriter in New York as well. Um, and we just want to big thank shout out to all these people who support our show, Guy R. Cook from the Guy R. Cook Report podcast. Uh, it's also great to have these people supporting us. Uh, Altavis Pelzer from the Speakeasy podcast as well. Uh, but just lots of people who like it's good to support community around the world and of other podcasters and people who do business uh, through what you do. So thank you to all these people. Um, but also, so let's get back to part two. And uh, we've just uh, tell us after university, you've graduated. Yes. What did you do next? Yes. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, it, it was my junior year in college at Rutgers University. And I, even though I didn't come in through Mason Gross, which was the School of Arts, I ended up connecting with so many great people from the School of Arts. And somehow, some way, they always wanted me to be featured in their projects. So I ended up being featured in a friend of mine's showcase, their final showcase, in which the agents come and different, different casting directors come to see these people perform so that they can go on and embark upon their careers. And I was in a show where I think a young man at the time, shout out to Howard Whitmore. He was casting for the great Count Basie theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. And he was casting Dorothy for the Wiz. If you know anything about the Wiz, right? So that is like, it's historical. It's, it's well-renowned, right? It's so familiar. Everybody knows the Wiz. So he was casting for Dorothy and he spoke to me after the show and needless to say, I went in, I went on in auditions and I was not a Dorothy. I was more so a Glinda. You know, I had this, you know, this assertive alpha, I'm strong type attitude. And I ended up being Glinda, um, the good witch in this, in the Wiz. And that was my first major show or I guess you could say launch into musical theater. Um, it was fantastic. It was amazing. The, the memories um, are just amazing. I remember coming out of the floor and I had this beautiful gown on um, with my wand and my crown. It was just everything. And that started my career. Um, from that point on, I ended up, um, I, did, I was never with any type of management or talent agency at that particular time. So I was doing what they call kettle calls. I was hitting the bricks, hitting the streets of New York, going to open kettle calls and casting calls and auditions. And I did that for a while. And um, while I was doing that on, on and off, um, I was a long-term substitute at the time I was living right outside of New Brunswick, New Jersey. I was a long-term substitute. And then I ended up being a power professional. If anyone knows that's working with special needs students. And I did that 
until I booked my first national tour. And um, I don't know if anybody's familiar or your readers or Ramsey, I don't know if you're familiar. Remember John Denver? Yes. Yes. So I, my first national tour and first show was Almost Heaven, the songs of John Denver. And um, such a phenomenal off-Broadway play where basically catalogs his entire life and different music and different areas of his life that, um, you know, whether it be his music and his life and his, his family and his marriage and love and uh, all of the things that he went through, they took the score, they contemporized it. And um, I booked that my first national tour. So then I went across the country. I was all over the place. Um, and when I was, when we were, we would do our legs for that season and then we would have some time off and then we would go back on the road. And in between, I was working for Franklin Township Board of Education as a long-term substitute and paraprofessional. And it was the best thing ever get to have that flexibility and still do meaningful work there in Somerset for the students, but also live my passion. So Good that's day. what I did. Connect you. I know uh, we are coming down to the next road as in your journey. But I can yes. recommend just before I forget, I can recommend if you ever do decide to go back onto stage, uh, and I can recommend somebody you may or may not have heard of. Her name is Tony Henderson Myers, and she does a lot of stuff auditioning and stuff for plays in Broadway. Oh, okay. I will connect you up with her if you ever want awesome. to on Facebook. So, uh, she's uh, I will catch up with her on Facebook um, and awesome. if you need a Broadway connection you can have a chat with her because she does a lot of stuff like that. So Awesome, uh, I just wrote her she, name down. Yes, I will connect you up on Facebook. Uh, yes. uh, but anyway, let's um, so you've just had your first Broadway experience in Denver, you've just been so good I mean, that's, doing a play for John <laughs> Denver's music saying it's rather good but I was in New York uh, end of 2018 I, was, I did a Florida, Philadelphia New York holiday uh for the best part of three weeks um, oh nice met all the people actually i knew from online for several years which was great oh so, wow uh, but i want to get back to new york philadelphia new york again so i want to be able to make some new connections i've met, met recently and just yeah. uh, get a coffee and just hang out and just chat but obviously until this whole mess with covid decides to i know <laughs> yeah they took nobody's, a hard hit in new york no, nobody's really traveling anytime soon so Unless you, unless you're taking yourself six week holiday because you got you got to sit in your butt for tw- for two weeks, have a right. holiday and then sit in your butt again and when you come back. So it's kind of yes, yes, not, the quarantine. Really, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really not really working at the moment. So, um, but anyway, I digress. So <laughs> <laughs> after your John Denver um, Broadway show, what was next? What did you do next? Yes. So when I was finished with that, I didn't really know. I'm like, oh, goodness, what do I do now? You know, I have never been formally trained in music or acting. I just knew that it was something that was embedded in me from a very young age. And I really needed to then take that that platform and that moment in time and really expound upon it and really hone in on my skill set. So I went back to work. And I continued on being around other people that were doing what I was doing. You know, I started immersing myself in the world of of entertainment and artistry and acting. Um, I would say a little 
for a couple of years, I kind of dibbled and dabbled going back and forth to working um, in corporate, actually, because at some point they outsourced all of the work for long substitutes. And in that Franklin Board of Ed and my amazing supervisor, Mary Connolly, she ended up leaving and things changed, right? So I continued to audition. I continued to take classes and just be around the world of entertainment. But I always kind of had one foot in and one foot out because, you know, for the same reason why I ended up going to Rutgers University, you know, you have people around you, you have your family that really want you to be stable. They want you to have that security, right? Because we always feel like, oh, you know, you need job security. You need to be on a good job and, and get paid well. And you know when you're getting paid every week or biweekly. And, um, and you know what to expect. You know, you have a retirement plan. And those that are out there that are artists, you know that you just want, you just do it for the love of art, right? You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't, sometimes the money's not there. Sometimes the money doesn't come right away. Sometimes you sign on to do certain projects and they don't always come to fruition. Um, That's exactly what happened now, right before the pandemic hit. You know, I was I was contracted to do a film. I was contracted to do a stage play. I was contracted to go back to Atlantic City to perform in the first gospel play that was that was featured in the Atlantic City casinos. And um, all that came to a standstill. So. Um, I went back and forth. I was working for Johnson and Johnson. Um, I was contracting for Celgene, um, a lot of biopharmaceutical companies that did me well for the moment, but I always felt like something was missing. So that's what always led me back home to my artistry. So no matter what I do, I have always stayed connected to my artistry. Uh, Music has always been my first love that will never, ever change. Um, Still to this day, I continue to sing. Right before the pandemic hit, I was singing and leading praise and worship for two churches. As I mentioned, I was singing background for um, two brothers that are really big out in the Philadelphia, South Jersey area. And I was still performing. I was still contracting, um, working on stage plays. The most recent programs or projects that I worked on prior to the pandemic was um, this play, Another Chance. It was an off-Broadway play that was featured at the Samuel, I think it's Samuel Beckett Theater in New York. Um, About 20 years prior, I was a teenager when I first saw this show. And it had such an impact on me. And who knew, 20 years later, I would be standing before that same production team auditioning to be a part of that show. And yeah, so everything came full circle. So I was working on that play, Another Chance, and um, the gospel play that I mentioned that was that we featured at Harris in Atlantic City was called Balance of Love. We had just been contracted to go back to Hard Rock Cafe and Claridge, and then the pandemic hit. So, you know, all those things, I hope to go back. But um, I think as we talked kind of off the record and off camera, we spoke about, you know, the complexities of that. Like, what will be, what will be theater, you know, when this is all done? You know, will people want to come out? (laughs) <laughs> have you have you recorded music? Have you heard any rec- music that you've recorded? Oh, you know, I. That's funny that you asked that because right before my my father had passed, around I would say two thousand eight, two thousand to two thousand eleven, I had been signed to an independent label, 
Mm-hmm. Shout out to a friend of mine. Um, we've oh gosh, I just forgot his birthday. It was birth- yesterday. Shout out to Aaron <laughs> Robinson. Oh God, I gotta call him when I'm done with you, Ramsey. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, he was he was somebody that I met my freshman year in college. He had a studio. I was working with his independent label. Um, I was actually I remember singing with, with one of my label mates. I was the featured artist opening up for them. And my album was pretty much done. I was doing what you call rhythm and praise. They call it R&P. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like an up-tempo, inspirational music that wasn't like shoving Christianity down your, your throat, but it was always it always had a positive message behind it. Um, that was something that anyone knows of me whenever I was singing in competitions throughout college. It wasn't about what was the mainstream or what was popular music. I always felt like I had to be connected to the music and connected to the message behind it. So RMP is what I was singing on that album. And then life happened. You know, as I mentioned, my dad passed, then my pastor passed and my pastor's daughter, who was a mentor of mine passed. And that kind of happened almost consecutively within that same year. And that completely changed me. So is your music still around that you can actually people are playing your music or is it kind of just hitting a box gathering dust? <laughs> no. Well, you know, I never finished the album. I actually, oh. I, I wanted to, like I said, it kind of changed me and shattered my world in that moment. And I wasn't even sure that I wanted to continue performing. I actually took, I asked to get out of my contract um, and I was able to get out of my contract. Thankfully I mentioned, you know, that this was a, a long term friend of mine that I also had a business relationship with. Um, and he allowed me to get out of my contract and I took a break from music for well over a year, a year and a half or so wrestling with whether or not I wanted to do this because for any artists that are listening, when you are performing for the world to see, you're almost standing before the world stripped and naked. Right. And, and really having to be very vulnerable and open to the world to kind of form their opinions, to feel like, okay, are they, are they, you're, you're almost like a role model. It's a lot of pressure. And I wasn't sure that I was equipped for it at that moment because I was so fragile having just lost my father, having just lost a, a huge role model of mine, my pastor, and then a mentor of mine. So with that being said, I wasn't even sure that I was going to come back to music I, or art, you know, performing arts at all. So how many songs did you actually do of the album? Oh my goodness. I had, I want to say that I was going to have probably like 13 or 14 songs on the album. I was, I was more than halfway finished. I mean, it's sad that because, you know, I was signed to a label, um, all of that music, it either got washed away or that music, he had the rights to that music. So either that music could be used for another artist. I don't know that it would be used for another artist because with anything, as you know, with technology, music, and pop culture is constantly evolving. So we're talking back to 2008, 2010, 11, you know, things change. That, that stuff is probably dated now. So um, you, you can hear me actually, I'm singing, I, I did sing a lot of background within the past year or two. I've been singing a lot of background on music videos. I've sang background on other artists. Um, shout out to, uh, what is it? Sound Mind Films. Sound Mind Studios, Gregory Hines. Um, I do a lot of background vocals for him in studio. Um, and and sometimes you don't even know that it's me. And I like it better that way. <laughs> so 
because I'm not, you know, I, you know, I have a, a studio fee that I charge and a production fee that I charge. And then I go on and live my life. <laughs> but yeah, I have done a lot of background vocals for people. Would you ever consider, it sounds like when you're doing the, the, with the doing the album and the tragedy happened, yes, things, music has changed. Yeah. Would you ever considering looking at the best part of 12, 13 years on, maybe there's a way that you could resurrect, not necessarily the stuff that you did then, but maybe yeah. writing some new songs, new material, but in a way that's got a message in it from from that tragedy? Yes, absolutely. That's such a good question, Ramsey. Um, I'm glad that you asked that because as I mentioned, music has always been my first love. And no matter what I do or where I find myself in the world, I always find my way back. So yes, that is a plan for me. That is definitely on my bucket list and my list of goals that I will complete an album. I don't right. care if I'm 50 <laughs> years old, I will complete I, a I can, I can just hear Chanel Spencer and yours saying, Renee, do it now, do it now, do it now. I know, now, right? Now. That's her thing. Now, 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 right now. Absolutely, absolutely. She she had me sing on one of her broadcasts, actually. She was like, well, oh, well, you're a singer, so why don't you sing for me? But absolutely. Good. Well, I am... I know you, you want to go back, you, you will go back, so go back to that, right? So let's yeah. connect <laughs> Let's connect you up with some people. Uh, Benita, I'll connect you up with Benita Charles, Tony Henderson Myers, and I'll connect you up with uh, this guy called Steve McDonald, who does write music. He's in Edinburgh. Uh, he's a singer and he does write music as well. Nice. Uh, and maybe, so I got, I'll write, I'll connect you all these people on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, awesome. And you can then, I'll get you, I'll do it straight after you. Record you, they'll connect you up with these people and you can. Yes. And then also a friend of mine, um, but it's funny that you ask, I just remembered, it just pops in my mind. A friend yeah. of mine, shout out to Shahid, Shahid Woods. He actually just wrote a song recently um, that's actually socially conscious, that is very, very much a timely message. And he wants me to, to co-write with him um, to kind of like fully realize this entire piece. So I do hope to get in the studio or I hope to collaborate with some other artists to write music. And um, we'll see. We'll see what's on the horizon. I don't know. You're going to have to just stay go. tuned. <laughs> I will uh, connect with some people uh, and maybe you can you can chat, connect with them eventually offline, talking about your music and, and maybe writing something new down the line, see where it develops. And who knows, 2021, 2022, you'll have an album coming out. And you'll oh, find you'll find, I you love might that. Have a, you'll have that album finally complete you've just ticked it off the bucket list you've done it and it might, <laughs> yes. lead, to, it might lead to a second one it might lead to a third you just never know uh, it just oh wow i love that <laughs> and just that could be a way of doing it just saying this is you've got having some writers having people you work with and as you've got chanel spencer he'll tell you to do it now uh, yes, <laughs> so, it's like these little, like little angel and devil sitting on your shoulders. Do it now. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, no, but anyway, um, but yes, that could you know, there's a wee potential 2021, 20, 20, 22 uh, goal okay. for you to set if you think you can, if you're up for, up for the challenge or maybe see where the path takes. You know, that's the main thing. Absolutely, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You know, I'm optimistic. Anything is possible. Honestly, anything is possible. I didn't know what would happen when this pandemic hit. I think a lot of us were kind of just completely 
you know, dropped to our, to the floor, like, oh my goodness, what do we do now? And I'm just so proud of myself of what I've been able to accomplish, even in this short time. So there is nothing that I can do. Anyone that's listening, there's nothing that you can't do. If you just put your mind to it, you continue to work hard at it and you dig deep to really discover you and, and tap into what is it that you want? What are your goals? What are your hopes and what are your dreams? And don't be afraid to dream big. So anything is possible. I'm looking forward to that, Ramsey. And you know, when, I, when, the, drop, when the album hits and when it drops, I'm, you'll be the first to know so that we can we talk about I'm it here. Go. I'm all connected with the people of Escudo. So let's go from the music to yes. you know, you're basically an author of four books. Now, I know yes. we, we touched on one of them is regarding grief, via, uh, regarding your dad. And yes. Things that, that happened. So we'll touch into that. So you've got your four books. You've one originally more, well, you got your books. Also talk about the urban uh, CEO, which is not um, so. There's that. So we'll talk about that, and just mm-hmm. obviously one and anything else we'll um, elaborate on, and yeah. obviously then just literally going forward. So um, those who are listening, we're interviewing Vernie Taylor uh, from New Jersey. Yes. Uh, so you can, we've just heard we've discussed her bringing up upbringing, obviously from a broken family due to her folks being divorced, being brought up with her grandparents. Uh, solid background going to church, uh, education, singing, um, dabbling into theatre, music, and things like that. And now, uh, just due to obviously the circumstances of not completing the album, but uh, through sad passing away. But now, it's the future is bright, and the future, yes. is gonna be, the future is going to be the future. No, so anyway, uh, yeah, no, let's um, the future is looking good. But let's talk about the the books. Now, yes. you're, what made you decide to? You, you've been doing all your, uh, you've been doing just music and arts and that. So, what got you? Why did you start wanting to write a book? Yes. So, actually, I always have been a writer ever since I was a kid. For the moment, they put a diary in my hand. I think my aunt probably is the one that you know bought me my first diary. I was writing. I was writing poetry. I was writing my feelings. I was always writing. That was my escape. You know, everybody has an outlet and that was my outlet. And so really following in those footsteps and continuing that process of how I just got through life. And, you know, I got through challenges and and hardships. You know, I would go to my diary or go to my journal and just write it out. So I always knew I wanted to be a published author. Um, A lot of people don't know this. My entry point into authorship really started with um, a feature. I I was a contributing author to, it's called The Actor Side Hustle. So um, a fellow actor friend that I was working with at the time, shout out to Jeanette. Um, I can't think of her last name right now, but her name is Jeanette. She's a phenomenal actress. She was doing a book about how actors can figure out a way to balance you know, their livelihood and stability, but also pursuing their passion. So I was a contributing author speaking about how I was a paraprofessional and still being on tour, right? And pursuing that. I also was a contributing poet in the book, Potpourri from the Heart. That was something that was also published. But just in 2019, this is where it really hit for me. Um, I was, I, I, was introduced an opportunity to be a contributing co-author to the book Breakthrough. And Breakthrough was a book that was published through Johnny Wimbry. I don't know if you're familiar with Johnny Wimbry, but he is a best-selling author. 
He is a world-renowned international speaker, along with Les Brown. Everybody knows Les Brown, who is a huge name, um, a phenomenal motivational speaker, along with Nick Halleck, who is also a best-selling author, and other authors across the country. I saw that as an opportunity to really get my, get my feet wet in the world of authorship, um, but also give people a glimpse of my life and who I am, because I always knew that I wanted to write my autobiography. So I started writing in 2008, my autobiography on my own. I remember I was working at an architectural design company. I was just contracting and temping there. And whenever I was bored, I would just get on the computer and start typing. So all of the, the material was really written already. But when that opportunity presented itself, I jumped on it as a contributing author in Breakthrough with my chapter, Unlock Your Greatness. So from there, I took that platform and really leveraged myself and being relevant to what is this breakthrough and what does that mean? And people overcoming tragedy and hardships and understanding what it means to have to seek out personal development. That was a lot of what I was talking about in Breakthrough. And from that point on, um, fast forward into this year, I said to myself for my 38th birthday, um, just July, I celebrated 38. I said, you know what? I wrote a list of things I wanted to do by my 30th birthday. And I said, I want to write a book. So I had already started writing the book, or I guess at the time it was a journal. It was just kind of like my own personal offering to my father in 2011. I started writing and I didn't know for sure if I was going to be sharing it with the world. Cause at the time it was just a way that I could process my healing and process the loss of my father being, um, him being gone at such a, a young age, 57. So when I started that, it was, it was really love letters to my father, things I would have said, or I would have wanted to say or do or poems and stories and just kind of revisiting experiences every Father's Day, every birthday, every anniversary. So fast forward to my birthday this past year, we met, um, actually met Chanel Spencer through Taria Vision Avant. So shout out to my coach, Taria Vision Avant. And she was doing a book camp. And I didn't know what that meant at, at first, but I knew that it was going to be the weekend of my birthday where I could go through this accelerated program to finish a book. And I tell you, Ramsey, I did this. Actually, it fell on the Saturday of my birthday, the 25th, July 25th. And we went through that program of accountability and hours and hours of Zoom meetings and trainings and writing and typing and talking and crying, all these things. And do you know, I got 80% of my manuscript done. And in the end of that weekend, letters to my father, seven steps to the loss, the healing of the loss of a parent was complete. So I am so excited about that coming to fruition, full fruition by October. It will be hitting the market. You'll be knowing, you'll know, you'll be the first to know. Um, And it just so happens that when the pandemic hit and Chanel and I had met, she also came out to me. She reached out to me saying, you know, I have some things that are coming up and I would love for you to be a part of it. I think that you can bring some value to it would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. And and so that's where the evolution effect and our truth is not a lie. That's how those two other works came into play. The, our truth is not a lie is the audio book 
of the Black experience, which is such a timely message as we are in social and racial unrest within our country and really nationwide as the world watched so many of our people, you know, be taken from us and lost and killed. And so that book, I was more than honored and humbled to be a part of, and along with The Evolution Effect, which also speaks about overcoming adversity and breaking patterns. And so that's what came about with all of these books. And um, in November, following these, the, the release of all of these books that I just mentioned, I will be... I will be releasing my first poetry collection, Life, Love, and Loss. So that'll be um, my, I guess that'll be my fifth. <laughs> that's, that's good. So uh, with yeah. your poetry, there's an idea, just a, another idea for you, just to add to your list. Right? Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like you're digging up. <laughs> you're thinking, oh, no, no, I know, one. right? <laughs> Would you ever saw, with seeing your poetry, you ever you know, put your poetry into like an audio book or an audio, because a lot of people do poetry in audio as well. Like yes. for especially for um, the names escape me already. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, Audible. That's what I'm thinking of. Audible. Yes, yes, absolutely. I am definitely looking into doing that. Um, this is another book that I've sat on for I don't know how many years. So I'm I'm adding some new work to it and I'm reformatting it. But absolutely, I definitely see an audio book. Along with the ebook and you know the physical hard copy, um, for those that are looking to kind of see my life through the scope of those different areas, life, love, loss, and what that all means to me through the expression of poetry. So, absolutely, I see audio. I could do audible. It's a good thing about because a lot of people like listening to poetry, even if it's uh, just in the, in the audio version, not just re- reading it, especially for those. Yeah. Who might be- because the good thing about Audible, I, mean, I suppose there's people who like listening to poetry, but might be you know, partially sighted or something, or just especially poetry can be good for maybe you well mixture of generations. But sometimes if you're in a, for older people in a, in a residential home or something, and they can they like listen because if there's not much to do, they'll listen to audio or poetry. You know what I mean for something different. You know? Yeah, so you, can, you can target different many different people. So uh, just more for you have that opportunity, especially another. Another thing you can maybe go down the road to with your with your stuff and your books, you know. Yeah, all... you're right. So who knows? But yeah, anyway, let's uh, just digress and giving you lots of ideas. But <laughs> be there. Yes, I know, Ramsey. You're giving me more things to do. You're adding know, more to the list. <laughs> I think mean, be, uh, be, your coach will be thinking, "Hang on a minute, he's tightening my client for business here. What's going on?" <laughs> so, I'm gonna be very busy up until the end of this year. I'll be super yeah. busy. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, bro. So anyway, no, that's uh, so. What do you well going forward? Mm-hmm. What's the what's your sort of what you're doing now? And mm-hmm. in fact, before we do that, uh-huh, I've got one thing: the urban CEO. Can you tell us about that? Yes, yes. So again, my coach Taria Vision Avant. Um, as I mentioned, this is her nonprofit. Urban CEO, and it's amazing. Um, like I mentioned, Urban, it's the acronym for unapologetic, real, bold, action oriented, and non conforming. And I'm so happy and proud and humbled to have been nominated as the inspirational CEO for Who's Who of 2020. And, and I do believe that 
those words really truly describe me. If, I mean, if there's anything that I can find to describe me best, anybody that knows me would definitely say, I am unapologetic, I am real, I am bold, I am action-oriented, and I've always been non-conforming. Um, ask those people that I tried to work for. I wasn't a great employee because I didn't particularly like people telling me what to do. <laughs> so, you know, it just so happens, you know, it all worked out that I kind of went into business for myself. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really happy to be connected to the brand. I'm happy and connect to be connected to the people. Um, that's one of the, another way that I learned of Chanel Spencer, you know, being a part of trainings and masterclasses and conferences and workshops and webinars that have really connected me to like-minded people, um, to other inspirational young women and men that are doing some phenomenal work for those that are doing work in the community, for those that are doing work within um, the youth, um, those that are doing work, just internal work, right? I think a lot of what what allows you to kind of be successful is the work the individual work that you do within yourself, right? Um, That's what I learned as I was writing Breakthrough. It's really about personal development. It's about knowing, okay, what are the personal traumas? What what has happened in your past? Where is it that you can use work and growth? And really being honest with yourself about getting those things done so that you can be your full and best self when you show up in the world. And that's what it's all about. So Urban CEOs is amazing in cultivating a lot of our gifts and skills and really helping us to grow our businesses. That's great news. Fantastic. So tell us about going forward, looking at obviously now what's happening in the world, going Mm -hmm. forward, I think everyone's just sick of the sight of COVID and we just want to get back to the office and go back to work and so everyone can mm-hmm. just, just do things and not as normal. I think we're just getting bored of it. Uh, <laughs> I think we're going to get some sort of this year. But it, uh, it's just, I think over here it's just they're getting cases mad rather than there's, there's cases arising, but the deaths are still low. So just go with it, get back to the office. It's probably mm. more cases are flu and all that, but it's just... It's getting to that bizarre moment. Everyone's just fed up and wants to get back to do more yeah. of life at the moment. So, but anyway, so what is it you are going forward for in your going forward? What is it you're kind of aiming to do? You're maybe thinking, right, okay, it's coming to the end of 2020. You don't know what 2021 is going to be like because we don't, because we're still in a pandemic of the world. Right, we don't know right. what's happening there. So obviously that's going to, the COVID thing is going to still dictate to what is going to happen and not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh but on the on the basis that may happen, things will be more back to some sort of normality. What do you kind of hope? What's your plans and goals that you hope to do? Yes, it's such a great question because I think it's important that we all have goals, and that you you still keep that at the forefront of your mind, despite the fact that things are changing. We have to adapt. We have to pivot. So I'm glad that you asked that. But yes, my plan, um, of course. In releasing Letters to My Father, which is very near and dear to my heart, my plan is to really utilize that as a tool to help other people navigate through grief and navigate loss um, as we're experiencing a lot of that, more so than ever before. You know, people that maybe never lost anyone close to them, they're experiencing that now or we're experiencing death at such rapid rates and so close to home due to COVID and all the other things that are going on in the world. So I... 
am looking to take on clients um, on a more personal basis, on a group basis, as I mentioned in my bio that I started the group Sister to Sister on Facebook, along with Healing and Overcoming Grief, really to provide support to a lot of people that really are not even clear that they're dealing with this grief or they're mourning. Um, a lot of people are just living with this heaviness and they don't even know where it stems from um, until they just kind of talk to other people and they open up and they hear that other people are going through what they're going through. So taking on new clients. Another thing is I know that, you know, we're not out here touring. Like I was hoping to go on a book tour. I know that I'm not going to be traveling as often, but we still have technology to reach the masses. So I am looking to have more speaking engagements, whether it be through webinars. Um, I recently hosted a masterclass um, just dealing with maybe five key points on how to heal and overcome and navigate grief. So I hope to continue to do that as well. And of course, more books, <laughs> more books know. and more collaborations. I'm also happy to report with uh, Chanel Spencer and her amazing company, I am in the process of rebranding Triple Threat Vision. So, right. yes. So, you know, as I mentioned, Triple Threat Vision, it was originated a while back and it was originated based off of me as the artist. But now me as Renee Taylor, the entrepreneur and business owner, it takes on a totally different meaning and a totally different um framework. So I am looking to reimagine what Triple Threat Vision is so that I can reach more people. Um, I can do more mentorship. I can empower more young women who who were in my shoes as a young artist, those that are just looking to do something better. And as I mentioned before, they, they maybe don't have the tools or the resources or perhaps they don't have the confidence. So that's an, another thing that I find is real, that I'm really passionate about is instilling the self-esteem and confidence into young women to know that they can do it, um, to know that their dreams matter and that we all have a purpose that we need to embark upon because we think we have time and we don't. You know, they say that there's so many people at the graveyard, dreams deferred, you know, untapped potential. A lot of people that woulda, coulda, shoulda. I know my dad passing at 57, there was so much more that he wanted to do. There was so much more that he could have done. Um, so I, I, I actually count it as a responsibility, both myself and my brother, who's very artistically inclined and is um, very successful and has been successful the past 20 years running his company out in Columbus, Ohio. Shout out to my brother, Z.F. Taylor. Um, oh. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like it's a responsibility, responsibility for the both of us to really continue the legacy and to take whatever my dad couldn't do or, you know, whatever he wanted to do. It's really for us to like take on that baton and see it through and do whatever we can to like make sure that our dreams are fully realized. So, you know, I hope to die empty. I don't want anything left. I want to just leave it all here on the table to the world and pack the world and, um, and be really proud of my legacy. There we go. There we go. Yeah, you heard yeah. it here. Everybody you heard it. Very Taylor, uh, all the way from New Jersey. Uh, it's a good passionate story and obviously what she wants to impact people through our books, our music, uh, and lots of other things going forward. And 2021, look, 2022, look forward to the, 
what is going to happen, uh, especially yes. with the, since you've got the contacts of your coach, you've got the Urban CEO, you've got Chanel Spencer, you're doing lots of other stuff. And I have said to Chanel as well in the past that uh, because you get you girls are authors, uh, invite coming to the Edinburgh Festival, Edinburgh Book Festival, Edinburgh yes. the place where you a lot of people launch their careers, a lot of them launch things, kick off. Great way yeah, of getting Yeah, telling me that. Uh, yes. So as I recommend, Edinburgh Book Festival is a good place for authors, speakers. Uh, can you speak about your books and things? It's, I recommend that. But uh, these are things, obviously, next year, hopefully things will be a bit more back to normal. Uh, yes. I'll connect with a guy called Steve McDonald, who's in Edinburgh. He's a writer for music. He does music himself. Yes. Uh, Henderson Myers, Benita Charles. Benita has released a new song. Um, awesome. Which is uh, on in thinking of the the people any workers um i did download the music and i did actually i can't remember what i've done with it um yes i do have it but it's on my actual main and uh, desk not my itunes yet so but um she has written a new song which is great and it's uh, about the key workers mainly which is brown so it's uh, good for that so i highly recommend uh, that song uh, if i can yes yeah, but yeah, I was going to find it quickly. But uh, yeah, uh, she's. I'll connect you up with these people, and you can then connect and have a chat and see. Yes, I look forward to that. Uh, where doors might open, basically, because Benita's in New York. She's in uh, Manhattan. Oh, awesome! Yes, she's I mean, in, I'm just so, like right. I'm actually less than an hour away from Manhattan. There we go. So um, yeah, uh, you guys can hook up for a coffee or something, or uh as and basically have a chat and miss tony as well she's in new york and she travels a lot she does uh, her main brand is wise courtship as well so mm-hmm. that's all that stuff um been involved in broadway and things so there's a lot of good great connections for you there and uh, so that'll help you who, who knows where that will take you uh yes all right so, so it's all good but uh, i want to say to everyone who's been listening we're on yes. Double Mint Radio. Also check out WGMS Radio as well, one, uh, the, who's owned by Jamie Bowles, the, uh, one of the Double Mint Radio partners. Uh, so if you're looking to, as I say, if you want to do a show or you're an artist or music, you want to get on Double Mint Radio or want to support us, uh, give us a shout. It'd be great to chat. But, Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, to everyone who's out there to um, who's been listening, thank you. Until next, till next time. Thank you. Or, our Friday night, 8.30 uh, UK time and 3.30 Eastern time uh, and you'll hear Vernay this Friday coming as it is this Friday. Why am I doing making really bad podcast? Yeah, I think yeah, I think October 3rd, right? I think you mentioned Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are listening I, to this. <laughs> it's okay, Ramsey. I never know what day it is unless I'm looking at a calendar, so it's okay. Because I'm digging up, because this has been recorded. This has been recorded on Monday, and you're listening to it on Friday. So just to, not to get confused, just in case I'm thinking, hang on a minute. So, oh, it's easily done. It's just when you're talking, you go, hang on, what day? So and you it's start okay. Talking. I understand. I understand. That's the, the joys of those who are listening to this is, uh, but anyway. Thank you for being on the show. And, Thank uh, you. Have a great one. And, Absolutely. Uh, but everyone will speak to you next time, and uh, we'll catch you then. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Show.